Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm your host, Richard Bliss, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Covey from Genius Games. John, thanks for joining me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. From Genius Games. You know, sometimes I forget, are, is, is Richard going to say this or am I supposed to say this? But uh, hey, we, we make it work either way. It, worked, it works out well. You know, what's exciting is that over the years, you and I met through this podcast. We've been engaged, uh, engaged. I'm engaged to be married. You and I are not <laughs> engaged. Not at this point. I'm getting married in, I think, what did I say? 17 days. So That's right. It'll, as the, That's right. When this show goes live, it'll be right around that time. I will not be uh, doing the podcast. That's why we're recording it now so that we can release it later. There you what, go. What are we going to talk about today? So today, we are going to talk about finding your audience. I think this is something that both you and I have a bit of experience in. Um, and we're also, at the same time, we're kind of like always in the middle of it, right? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fluid thing, creating products, creating, um, um, doing services for your clients and figuring out where, you know, wh- wh- how do I hone in on exactly what I'm doing and exactly who my core customer, my audience is. And so that's something that um, is, is something I think would, would be really fruitful for the audience to hear us talk about. So we're going we're gonna to spend some time. I agree. I have a client who is not in the board game space, and I work with them um, on a regular basis, helping them craft messaging around their products. Uh, they have written a book. They're an author. They're a corporate trainer. They work in the tech industry. And one of the things that they were challenged with is that they have all these different properties, uh, the book, mm. the company, their individual profile. And, and, I, and I talked to them because they were trying to figure out how to go find an audience for the book. And yes. I, I pointed out that, okay, one of the key things to remember is to not find new people for your products, but to find products for your people or for your customers. You have mm-hmm. done this, and that is rather than trying to keep going and finding more and more new, new customers, instead keep bringing products to the customer base that you have, and through word of mouth and through association, that will slowly grow. And so that's one of the aspects of finding your audience that people sometimes forget is that they try to launch something new, and then go find this entirely new audience to, That's right. Right, to generate that. And, and you've encountered that, right? Yeah, I, I definitely have, both, both um, on my own through my own products and also working with other people who've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I, I think you bring up a really good point. Early on, um, when, I, when I first developed my, my, my first game, I wasn't exactly sure who my audience was. You know, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and... Uh, we developed a game called Linkage. Um, it was a it was a card game for people who are specifically interested in genetics or science of some yeah, you, kind. You mentioned that on the last episode that you were on with me. Yes, yes. And well, what was great about that? It was such a learning experience for me because we had so many people coming back to campaign that I just didn't expect would be that interested in the game. Um, and through that. Um, we have published subsequent games, and we sort of hear these messages from our backers. Um, and as as someone who really wants to grow their company, getting feedback from your backers, from your customers about what they're looking for and what they want and who they are is really, really important because you can then begin to put together almost like a buyer persona, like right, like a demographic profile, an interest profile, a characteristic profile, or a personality profile on on who this this like target audience or this core customer is. And then like you said, I think that's such good advice. Build more products for that 
core customer because if they like your first view and they keep purchasing, they're going to want to talk about it, right? And you're staying on brand. And, and I think one of the most common mistakes that a lot of people do is they think, well, here's maybe a parallel um, type of product that my uh, that um, that is similar to the previous products, but but not exactly right. And and a lot of times what it does is it it doesn't make your audience feel like they're part of your community. It actually isolates them, and and you get a lot less buy-in, I think, because they're they're not as interested. Your core customers, the ones you've already built up, are not as interested in something that's that's really parallel, not not on point for what you've been creating in the past. Absolutely. And so I have a piece of advice for listeners, and it. That's the sound of a book in my hands uh, because over the years, as I have worked for years as a vice president of marketing uh, for a variety of software companies, as a uh, product manager, as social media expert, the thing that has constantly come out is how do you find that audience? How do you go about discovering who they are in the first place? Because, John, people are listening saying, well, I don't even have an audience. How do I go find right. it? And the book I recommend is called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore. Crossing the mm. Chasm is mostly targeted at the tech industry, but it applies to every other industry out there. Inside of that book, talks about something called the technology adoption life cycle. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, it has become pervasive throughout all business schools now, but I remember reading the book um, that old when uh, Jeffrey Moore wrote the book. And what it talks about, and I'm going to paraphrase it real quick, is, is that there's a, this there's these subsections of the audience that are drawn to different aspects of your product. The innovators, yeah. the innovators, or the, excuse me, the early adopters are those who see your product and go, oh, I want that even though it's only like um, halfway there. It's in beta. It's in development. Oh, but I see how I could take advantage of that. The early adopters are that small, slightly bigger group who says, I, this thing's 90% done. I can take that and do something with it. Uh, even though it's only 90% done, that's okay. Then your early majority people, this is a group of people who want the 100% of the product. That's exactly what they need. It meets their need exactly. And then they explode and they start buying it. And then you move into the late majority and the right. laggards. And we, we really don't need to talk about that at this point. But one of the key ingredients and why it's called crossing the chasm is that this is not a natural growth process. Early adopters, innovators, and early uh, majority, there is a chasm, a gap between the innovators and early adopters and the early majority. You've probably encountered that. These are the people mm. who approach you and are like, oh, this is, this is perfect. I need this. And then you're like, oh, I've got this subset of audience. I'm going to build the product for them. But they, if they have, there's some criteria that has to be present for them to become that audience, a sustainable business. And one, they have to reference each other. That's why if you sell, right. into, if you sell into law firms, it's really easy because law firms talk to each other. Lawyers are always trying to say, well, what are they doing over there? Doctors or and this is that persona you talked about. That's yeah. why board games do so well on Kickstarter because if you target that audience, it's a group that self-references each other. And so that's one that's of the. Right. And so within that though is that if I do an RPG and a board game and something about science and something about cooking and something about if I'm all over the map, I'm what I'm doing is I'm not coalescing around a group that will self-reference that allows me to cross the chasm to a market that needs 100% of what I have to offer. Am I making yeah, sense with all of that? Yeah. No, I think that's really good, good advice. And one of the things I think. It, one of the things that 
that is um, important to remember is that the techniques to reach out to your innovators and early adopters might be very different it, than the techniques required no, to reach out to the remainder of the curve. It is not might be different. It is completely sometimes opposite different. Right, right, right. Good right. clarification. Well, because right. because for example, here uh, Unpub and uh, Proto Spiels, and we have some here in the Bay Area. I know there's some in the St. Louis area. I know Jamie Stegmeyer has a, a host an event where you come in and do game design. The right. audience, those are your innovators and early adopters. The people who are showing up to list, to play test your beta product, your game that is half-baked, that group of people are going to give you feedback and input, but they are not a group of people that you can build a business around. That's right. That's I, right. I absolutely refuse to play test any game. I had Robert Burke on the game uh, the show just recently, and I even told him the last time I play tested a game was his, and it was years ago. I am not your target. I hate it. Right. Because a lot I, of people do. I want a 100% product. Now, what's interesting, something like Game Crafter and JT uh, Smith over at Game Crafter, what they do is they target an audience that's right in that sweet spot of early adopters who are like, look, I just need a prototype. It doesn't need to be polished. I just need a prototype. Me, on the other hand, I'm only buying a product that is completely done. I don't want to do any play testing. I want all the components to be there. I want all the expansions, I, right? That's what I want. And so it's a very, very different audience that you're addressing. Right, right. Now, I think a few of the other things I want to talk about before we get too far, because I don't want to run out of time. I want to talk about some ways um, or some mistakes maybe that people make when they try and figure out who their audience is. Oh, that's a great one. What do you got? So one of the things... Um, so we, one of the things we talk about that's really important is building up your social media channels, right? We know that Facebook is an is a, an amazing marketing tool. So is Twitter and Instagram and a, a lot of these social media platforms. But one of the things I've noticed people doing is building up their social media platforms willy-nilly. And by that, I mean essentially um, buying users, or which which technically is um, is not allowed on a lot of platforms, um, especially now on on Facebook. Um, but there's still sites where you can go and buy users. Um, but maybe even in between that, in between the buying users and um, earning users, you know, the, the the hard way is is sort of this um, this middle ground of like doing contests and giving away free items. And these are not bad things. I just think you need to be very very careful with them. And and here's why. On social media, um, or let's use Facebook as an example, Facebook's algorithm for how it shares um, yeah. items of news in people's news feed is based upon the engagement that that post gets within its first you know, 10 seconds, one minute, 10 minutes, whatever. I mean, I don't know exactly what the algorithm is, but yeah. it's, but but it's let's, clear. But let's explain real quick because you, you bring up an incredibly important point. And what, what we mean by engagement is, for example, if you have 100 fans or followers or connections, right, and you make a post, right, the algorithm determines a percentage of how many people, what percentage of your 100 Right. participated in either liking, commenting, sharing, engaging, whatever. And if that number is low, way low, then Facebook is like, well, this isn't relevant content and they're not going to show right. it. That's what you're talking That's about, right. right? That's exactly right. So if you have a fake inflated followers and you've got right. 10,000 followers and you put that same content out there and only a tiny fraction of your real audience participates in it, Facebook's like, this isn't valid content for this audience. We're not going to show it to anybody. 
That's right. And you're undermining your ability to reach your actual audience, your actual target customers by buying these fake users, by buying these numbers. Or right? not, as you said, maybe not even buying, but attracting fans and followers that aren't necessarily tied into what you're trying to offer. It, you're diluting your audience, diluting the pool that you're trying to kind of dip that hook into to find those buyers. That's right. That's exactly right. Great. That's an va- incredibly valid point. Yes. I, I think that's something really important to remember. Um, do you have any other things that you've seen people make mistakes on while trying to grow their audience, Richard? Um, probably, but, you, <laughs> but you've brought up this point because um, this is why I am so passionate about the impact that Kickstarter is having on transforming the industry. And we talk about the board game industry, but it's in the industry that it really starts to get uh, into. The comic book industry, Tyler James has been on the show multiple times. He's on as another guest. Uh, the uh, different, I have some manufacturers coming on talking about how Kickstarter is influencing the manufacturing process. But my point here is, is that uh, when you are in Kickstarter, Kickstarter, those people who have backed your project become gold. The people yeah. who subscribe to your newsletter become gold. People who follow you on Twitter are noise. Mm. And I, I've got 20, I don't know, 20-something thousand followers on Twitter. A lot of them follow me on Twitter because of the show. But some yeah. of them are in a wide variety, which means that when I post something on Twitter, I get very little engagement because my audience is so spread out, unless I post something that's extremely relevant to that bigger group. And so I want to bring up is that Kickstarter, uh, rather than mistakes, here's how you uh, – one of the things I want people to understand is, is that start small. Yeah. Begin mm-hmm. building that seed base of fans – a hundred yeah. people. If you can get a hundred people to back a five hundred dollar project and giving you five dollars each, those are those are fans that you now can tap into for the next project that's five thousand dollars, and then the next project that's fifty thousand. You did this. So many of the people who have been on my show have done that, right? Is that that's how you kind of overcoming the mistakes and you start building that fan base. Yeah, and one of the things that that I, I want to go back to and combine it with what you're talking about right now is um, is creating products that are parallel to what you're doing and not really on target. And so here's something that that we did early on, which I am now trying to figure out how we how we re- rewind um, um, some of the dilution that we've probably caused from this. And that is so early on, we 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 were designing science games for gamers. Right. And, and really, I think my opinion at that point was that our target customer, our audience was someone who identifies as a gamer, who self-identifies as a gamer and self-identifies as a scientist or someone very closely related to them, say a spouse or a brother or a parent or so your big, a sibling your, or something like that. Your big audience was the gamer. The subset was those gamers who are interested in science. Yes, yes, having or at least having a very clean overlap between those. And early on, I I don't know, I don't even know if I would have articulated that there was one dominant um, or one secondary. I think early on, I just thought here's the two things that I would want to see overlapped. And then, but what would, what happened over time is we began to realize, wait, there's there's like there's other subsets, um, like parents who are using this um, with their kids, and there's also gamers who just they want to show their spouse because their spouse isn't a gamer, but their spouse is a scientist, um, or a teacher because they'd want to use it in the classroom, and 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 there's a couple things happening here. One, you want to be aware of who these people are because they're going to be triggered by and influenced by very different types of language. 
right? That's the first thing. The second is that you're you're going to sacrifice um, marketing to some of them um, yes. by by targeting the others very specifically. And we've we've I don't know if this is a mistake or not, but we have always tried to to um, uh, target all of them or communicate to all of them at the same time. And That's we've realized the, yes. that we have to really segment the way we talk to each of them because they are influenced and triggered by very different kind of language. They are, and that brings up the valid point. To go back to my crossing the chasm, one of the successful ways you cross the chasm is you find that narrow audience and you understand how to talk to them 100% of their need. Yes. Right? This is, this is exactly what they need. And in a board game, that could be the rules, the graphics, the components, whatever it might be, the theme. But you meet 100% of that need. And you find that voice that talks just to them, and that's how you're able to cross that chasm. This is a great topic, and I think, John, you and I need to come back and talk about this again on another episode. So you've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss. And I'm John Covey. John, if they wanted to get hold of you, how do they get hold of you? Um, my email is john at geniusgames.org. We'll have a follow-up episode then, John and I, as we go and talk more about this coverage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a Patreon backer. And thanks for supporting the show so that we can be successful. And if you get a chance, go out to iTunes and leave a review so that other people can know the enjoyment that you're getting from the guests that are on the show. We'll talk to you next time and we'll have John back. Take care.